Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Well, wherever you are, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Well, this past week was something else, wasn't it? You know, it's one thing to be isolated because of a pandemic, because, you know, at least you can still get out of the house. You can still go outside and do something, maybe drive to Sonic or anything. Like, like I have to do that. I have to be able to get out or I feel like I'm going absolutely insane. Like I can only watch so much TV and I can watch a lot of TV and, and I feel like, you know, we're kind of at this point where we kind of have all, like we all have the same problem. We all have so much access to TV, and yet and there's plenty of things to watch, but there's also nothing to watch at the same time. You feel me? Like at this point, I have exhausted the algorithm's ability to trap me because I've already seen everything that it thinks I like. And, uh, uh, well, don't you hate it whenever, like, you sit down and you're trying to, you know, find something to watch, and so you get on it and you just scroll, and you scroll, and you scroll, and, and you may see something that, you know, kind of seems interesting, and you're like, okay, if I don't find anything else, then this is what I'll pick, and so you keep scrolling, and that thought never leaves your mind that maybe there's something better along the way, and so you keep scrolling, and you keep scrolling, and before you know it, 30 minutes has passed, and you could have already watched a whole episode of something, uh, and you probably enjoyed it had you just settled on something, but that thought never left your mind that there was maybe something better, but that's just one of the crazy problems that we have these days. Well, would you believe me if I told you that this problem that we have was figured out over 200 years ago by a man named Soren Kierkegaard? Now, I'm a philosophy nerd, so I apologize if none of this is interesting to you in the slightest, but Kierkegaard was obsessed with trying to figure out the meaning of life, the meaning of our existence, as most philosophers are, I guess, but I think Kierkegaard is the best. He's definitely my favorite, of course. And he came to the conclusion that ultimately we are all looking to become a self. We are all looking for our identity, who we truly are. But he said that the biggest obstacle that we face is the danger of losing ourselves in the infinite or getting stuck on the finite. By getting lost in the infinite, he doesn't just mean, you know, the thousands of options that we have on Netflix, but he means the endless possibilities of what you could do with your life. And then on the flip side, there's always the temptation to become complacent and idle in fear of ever making a mistake. So you never change anything about your life. He wrote that the biggest danger is that of losing oneself can pass off in the world as quietly as if it were nothing. Every other loss, an arm, a leg, $5, a wife, etc., is bound to be noticed. Isn't that, isn't that funny? But it's so true. And what he's saying is we notice when we lose our keys or when we lose our wallets. But when it comes to losing ourselves, usually that always goes unnoticed. So Kierkegaard finally concluded that the only person who successfully succeeds in finding who he truly is, is the one who has faith in his creator and understands that he is not his own. So, so why am I telling you this? Because we, as God's children, have the only purpose worth having, and we belong to a creator who expects us to hold to that purpose. But for some reason, for, 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 uh, 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 for some of us, or for a lot of us, we so easily lose sight of that 
purpose. It's so easy for us to venture off course and lose our focus. That's why pastors want so badly to have church members who are focused because those are the ones that push the church forward. Those are the church members who are focused on discipleship, on being discipled and making disciples. Well, we are now in our second week of this little series that we're calling Well-Rounded. And we're looking at the core attributes of what makes a well-rounded church member. And if there's anything a pastor wants most out of his church, it's for them to be well-rounded. If, um, you know, if there's anything that a pastor wants to see out of his church is he wants to see them be faithful like we talked about last week. And of course, uh, as we saw, that takes a lot of different forms because there are different areas to be faithful in. We want to be faithful in the way we serve. We want to be faithful in prayer. We want to be a trustworthy people. All things that make a faithful Christian and a faithful church member. And so this week we are talking about being focused. So what does that mean? Focused. You know, it doesn't seem like an inherently spiritual trait. Like it's not a fruit of the spirit. It's not a spiritual gift. So how come so many pastors want to see it out of their church members? Well, let's see what Paul has to say about it in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love the book of Colossians, and I love it because it is filled with so much hope. And at the time of writing this, Paul had never been to Colossae. He had not met the church there. So the content we get in this letter is him encouraging and giving hope to some people that he had heard about through the grapevine. And I encourage you to go read it sometime this week. If you, if you have some time today, you know, oh, oh, you could finish it in one sitting. won't take you long. But in chapter 1, he's like, okay, I've heard of how faithful y'all are to the gospel. Oh, 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 we pray for y'all all the time. And he tells them a little more about the atonement and supremacy of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 2, he's like, listen, there's all kinds of ideas and people out there who will try to sway you away uh, uh, off your course. They will try to sway you away from your focus. And he's like, don't worry about what anyone else says about you because you belong to a much, much higher purpose. And then in chapter 3, he reminds them to keep the first thing first and to equip yourself with the truth and get rid of anything in your life that even resembles the world. And he finishes in chapter 4 by telling them to be prayerful and watchful for the coming of the Lord. But let's come back to chapter 3 because what he says here is the hinge point of the whole letter. The first two chapters, he's giving them validation of their faith, saying, if this is you, if you hold to this gospel, um, uh, then this is what I'm talking about for you. I'm talking about then now you are dead to these things and dead to the things of this world, and you are alive in Christ. Let's read it again in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If that's you, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. It doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? Like, 
I mean, it, uh, 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 like what else more does he need to say? What else does he need to say to us for us to understand that literally anything we put more importance on than him is an absolute waste of time, an absolute waste. It has no weight on eternity whatsoever, and it will not get past the gates of heaven. But all too often, we lose sight of that. We, we, uh, we become more focused on things of this world than the things of Jesus. So what are you focused on right now? Where is your focus? A pastor, any pastor, um, in whatever church you belong to, cares about your life. He cares whether you're living it well. He cares about your family. He cares about if you have fun hobbies, that you have a good job, you have good relationships with your family and friends. But I'd venture to say that what a pastor wants most uh, from you, what he cares about most over anything else, yes, he cares about your life, but he cares most about your eternal life. A pastor, or a good pastor, I should say, like Paul, is focused on eternal things, and he wants you to be focused on eternal things. Did you know that if you are saved, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then your eternal life has already begun? Yeah, just take a second and wrap your mind around that. Like, oh, well, that's because we are currently in what theologians like to call the already, not yet. And what they mean by that is when Christ came to earth and established his church, he ushered in not only the way to heaven, but the way of heavenly life. Jesus literally gave us everything that we needed to start living heaven the way, um, of, of the way we're going to live it. The way we will live in heaven is the way he lived. The way Jesus lived is the way that he wants us to follow. That's why he's so adamant about us following him. He's literally the template of what heavenly life will look like. And so then you start reading Paul and you start to understand um, and, uh, uh, and he starts to make more sense. And then you realize that Paul is all about living heaven now. All he wants is for us to understand that the kingdom of heaven is here and you can start living it now. Yeah, it's called the already not yet because God has brought it, hasn't brought it to its full completion like we see in Revelation. But if you are saved, if you are born again, then Paul's like, you are a citizen of heaven and that's where your focus needs to be. That's where your focus needs to be on now. That's why he's telling these Colossians, hey, look, stuff is going to be around you all the time trying to take your attention, take your time, take your focus. But he's like, you got to keep the one thing, the one thing. There's nothing more important. And that's what I want for Oasis Church. And that's my prayer, that we be a church that is focused on, uh, 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 that what we are focused on is the most important thing, which is honoring the word of God and exalting the name of Jesus. I want us to have that passion. I want us to have a zeal for it, that there be a revival of people who are focused not only on their eternal life, but who are focused on the mission of the church here and now. How many of you have, have, have ever been to a revival? I've been to many, many a revival. Oh, 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 you know, like at a church where, you know, maybe they start on Sunday night and they go to maybe Wednesday. I don't know if anybody ever, you know, goes to um, all week anymore. They used to, but most churches don't even have revivals anymore. And there's probably a good reason for that because when's the last time you saw a revival actually work? Like, I don't, I, I, well, I don't know, maybe you have. I don't think, 
I have, and I've been to a lot of revivals. My mother dragged me and my brother to many, many a revival. And, and man, I remember I always hated going to revival as a kid because, you know, as a kid, you're already kind of salty that you have to go to church every Sunday morning, but then revival rolls around and you're like, you're telling me I got to go to church on Monday? Uh-uh, you're kidding me. But <laughs> revival, man, like they never worked. I remember the closest thing I ever saw to revival actually working was at church camp. And, and, and you know, oh, well, we'd go to church camp. And the problem with church camp was that it was never close enough to going back to school. Like everyone likes to go to church camp at the beginning of summer. No one wants to go, you know, in August whenever it's just swelteringly hot. Everyone wants to go while it still feels nice, like, you know, early, mid-June. And the problem was, is we would come back from church camp all fired up, ready to do, you know, the Lord's work. We were going to save all of our friends. But then we had two more months of summer after that, two more months before we could really start putting it into practice. And by the time, you know, school started back, that fire had faded. And that's what happens to most Christians, I'm afraid. You know, if the Lord gets a hold of you and you really start to understand how important the way you live is, you've got to start putting it into practice now. You need to spread that fire. The very nature of fire is to go out. Have you ever thought about that? Like, there is no stationary fire that will not eventually go out. It has to either be refueled or it has to spread. And that's what the mission of the church is. The mission of the church is to make disciples and to spread that good news, period. That's it, to make disciples. So are we focused on that mission? Do our lives inside and outside the church reflect someone who is focused on that mission? Remember, we, we live in the already, not yet. So while we are waiting on the Lord, we are to be working for the Lord. It's just like, the, you know, the old song says, let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. And when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. Our work on earth is not done yet. Yes, we are already citizens of heaven, but we temporarily live here and there is work to do. And a well-rounded church member understands that. That's what a pastor wants to see out of his church. He doesn't want a bunch of folks who just come uh, because, you know, they enjoy his preaching. And I know y'all aren't like that because you knew I was preaching today and he still tuned in. So thank you for that. But what pastors want to see are people who are focused on making disciples and being discipled. So let's talk about that. Oh, oh, let's talk about what that looks like then. What does it look like to be a focused church member? What do you have to do? Well, flip back a few pages in Colossians to chapter one, because Paul tells us exactly what to do here. Colossians chapter one, starting in verse nine, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Here it is, number one, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in your knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us 
from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul's like, this is what I want for you, church. This is my prayer, that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. Other translations say, walk worthy. And if, and if that's what you're focused on, if you want to walk worthy of the Lord, then you need to focus on these things. You need to prioritize these things. Number one, be fruitful in good works. Grow in your knowledge of God. Trust in God's strength to help you persevere and give joyful thanks to the Father. Those four things, those four things are what we are to be focused on. So be fruitful in good works. You know, we talked last week about being faithful in our serving, being faithful in giving our time. But now he's taking it a step further. He's saying, don't only attempt good things for God, but you should be achieving great things for God. To quote a very wise Jedi, do or do not, there is no try, right? We don't want to just talk about all these things that we'd like to do eventually. We want to do them now. We want to work out our faith now. James tells us that our faith is dead without works. No, it's not our works that save us, of course. It's our faith. But if that faith is not followed by good works, then that's not a very good faith. So are you being fruitful in good works? Next, he says, grow in your knowledge of God. It's important to know more about the character of God and who he is. That's why I think, like one day, I'd love to teach a, just a basic theology class um, of the church members who be interested because most people in churches, yeah, you know, they may know a lot about their Bible, but they, don't, they haven't really considered why they believe what they believe. And that's, what, well, that's why doing theology is so important. I just... I just thought I had a pretty strong faith uh, before I went to college. But let me tell you, as you grow in your knowledge of God, so your faith will grow 10 times more. Grow in your knowledge of God. Next, he says, trust in God's strength to help you persevere. Well, this one isn't nearly as fun, is it? Because it implies that there are going to be times that I will have to persevere. There are going to be seasons or moments in your life when you will feel absolutely helpless. And those are the times when all you can do is lean on God's strength. That's all you can do. And it's not if that day comes, but when. When that day comes that you can't go any further on your own strength, he'll come and he'll help you and he'll carry you through it. And when he does carry you through it and he brings you out of it, I hope you'll learn from it and realize that, wait, I really can't do anything on my own strength. And that's the day that you begin to walk by faith and not by sight. Because when we walk by sight, we're still convinced that we can handle whatever problems that, w that we see come up. But when we realize there's some problems that I can't handle and there's no problems that God can't handle, you don't really care about what happens next. So trust in God's strength. And lastly, if we want to be a focused church member, then we will give joyful thanks to the Father. See, the way you worship and how often you worship says a lot about how focused you are on your eternal life because that's what we'll be doing in heaven. We'll be doing a lot of worshiping in heaven. And we get the opportunity to start now. The Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And on that day, you're going to wish you had been doing it all along. You're going to look back and you're going to be like, I can't believe I didn't thank him for this or I didn't praise him 
for this. You've got so much to be grateful for. If nothing else, he redeemed you from eternity without him. He's put his spirit within you and wants a relationship with you. I'd say that's enough to be grateful for a lifetime. You know, we used to sing this song in VBS, and nowadays I can't believe I ever sang these words so nonchalantly because they are perhaps the, the, the greatest words anyone could ever sing. And I understand why it didn't bring me to tears as a kid because I didn't fully understand what I was saying. But now that I do, it's taken on a whole new meaning. But it went a little like this. It was like, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors and sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. If I've got something like that inside of me, why would that ever not take priority in my life? If you have been born again and indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you've got that inside of you. So why would you ever not let that take priority in your life? But unfortunately, Kierkegaard was right. We too easily get lost in trying to find ourselves in pointless pursuits that have no weight in eternity. We lose focus of the very thing that means the most to us. The Lord is calling each and every one of us to be focused on our eternal life and the mission of the church. And when you realize that, and when that gets a hold of you, you're on your way to being a well-rounded church member. Would you consider that today? Would you take a look at yourself and ask, what in my life am I focusing on more than Jesus? What are some things in my life that have taken a seat on the throne that Jesus is supposed to be sitting on? It can be a lot of things, but the Bible has a word for it, and it's called idolatry. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are saved sinners, and there are lost sinners. And that means that saved people can still sin, and usually our biggest sin, ironically, is idolatry. So would you confront that today? Would you be brave enough to admit that I've let other things take priority in my life and take priority over Jesus? Or maybe, you know, you fall under the law center category and you want to experience that river of life I've talked about. And we'd love to tell you more about it sometime. His name is Jesus Christ. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you this morning, would you listen? The Lord has great things in store for his people who are faithful and focused. Well, we look forward to seeing you all again next week as we talk about the third attribute of a well-rounded church member, and I hope you can make it. Let me pray for you, and then before we go. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for the gifts of technology that we have the ability to still meet together as a church family, even if it's not in person. I pray for everyone at home watching this, that you would stir our hearts, that we would desire to be focused on the things that truly matter. Reveal to us where in our lives we have strayed from you and put useless, temporary things in your place. Lord, may we not be a people that are idle or complacent, but let us be active in furthering the mission of your church. I pray for everyone's safety this, this next week and that you would bring us back to your house for worship. Go with us, guide us, and protect us. And it's in Jesus' holy and matchless name I pray. Amen.